Dr. Carrie Casey has been teaching fathers how to deliver to their children. As the CEO of the National Center of Fathering, Carrie is known across the nation as a passionate and compassionate ambassador, talking to men about the importance of being good fathers. In fact, in 2009, he was asked to serve on the White House Task Force on Fatherhood and Healthy Families. He also serves as a member of the National Fatherhood Leaders Group. He spent 18 years in various positions with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and in fact served as the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys under Tom Landry. He also served as chaplain in the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. And in high school, oh I love this one, in high school he played in the 1971 Virginia State Championship football game that was later dramatized in the movie, Remember the Titans. He's, he's friends with former Titans coach Herman Boone and a lot of the other players on that team. He went on from there to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where he played as a running back and helped lead that school's team to a championship game. He and his sweet wife, Melanie, live in Lee Summit, Missouri. They are the parents of four children, five grandchildren. Would you join me in giving an Oak Hills welcome to Dr. Carrie Casey. Father, we bless you and we thank you for where we find ourselves at this hour on Sunday morning, the 20th of June, 2010. We are humbled, O oh Lord, that you would give us the privilege to communicate your gospel. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. These are your children, and dear Jesus, speak through these clay lips and feed them that they can realize that you're on our side. Oh, Lord, who can be against us? In Jesus' name, we love you, and we praise you, and we pray, amen. God bless you, and good morning. It is indeed a great morning. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time. Amen. That's right. Amen. And daddies, happy Father's Day to you. I am so very honored that I would have the privilege to share with you today on Father's Day a historical day because we have the name that God has in the way of fathers. I do not say that in a boastful way or belittling ladies or women or mothers in any way, because if it wasn't for the mothers, we couldn't be the daddies that we are. And I want to let you know this. It talks about it in Proverbs 18 and 22. He who findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So guys, y'all remember that. So when you get in trouble, you go and share with your bride that verse there, and maybe she will share some grace with you. Amen. But anyway, but I am honored to be with you, and 
uh, honor to God and then to your pastor, Pastor Randy. I appreciate him in a great way and with his bride. We had a meal together last evening and uh, Pastor Max, in fact, and uh, some of your staff and uh, Pete and uh, Debbie Ledoux, who are dear friends of ours in you all's church here. Um, uh, he is a board member with the National Center for Fathering, and so he is my boss, in fact. And so he said, come um, here and speak, and Max asked, and Randy asked, and Pete Ledoux asked. They said, do you believe in free speech? I said, yes, I do. They said, come and give four of them. But anyway, uh, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> not really, <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but anyway. <laughs> I knew I needed to work out, but I didn't know I was going to work out this much. But anyway, but four services. But I want you to know, anytime we have the privilege to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm very honored and I am very privileged to do that. And sometimes it's at 35,000 feet when you're on an airplane. Sometimes it'll be next month in South Africa um, there. And I just cried as I watched the uh, World Cup open up there in uh, South Africa, and they had all the officials there. They had the president of South Africa there, and the people that invited me to come. They are publishing the book that all of you that are sitting here were standing in a long line, and you all were purchased before you leave here today. But anyway, <laughs> I know some of you are sitting there like, yeah, right, I'm not getting a book. But anyway, I got big guys standing out the door, outside the door, bigger than me. They will help you buy the book. But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> they're not going to give you the money, but they will help you down to, but anyway, I have fun, and I laugh, and I smile, and the reason why I do, don't ever forget this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you are sitting here today, and you may function like, he's not going to make me laugh, I'm not going to have fun, life is terrible, I don't even like Father's Day because my daddy was not there for me, my daddy abused me, I went through a tough time with my daddy, you may be going through it today, but I want to let you know that there is a father. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No matter how tough, I'm not telling you just get over it. But I want to let you know that there's a God that made your biological daddy. That literally, because of who he is, whatever situation you're in, or where you find yourself today, if you don't get anything else today, you realize that God loves you that he has forgiven you, that he loved your daddy, that may have even turned his back on you, that all of the stuff that we go through, the reason why I stand here and I watch that clock move so fast and I'm supposed to be on time, I want to tell you something. Don't forget it, that God loves you right where you are. That's why Max Licato, that's why Randy, whomever stands in this pulpit to preach is to let you know that before you die, wherever your destiny would be, it would be one or two places, heaven or hell. But buddy, when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have a pep in your step. And I look at all these, uh, a lot of white people here, you all even clap on beat. Now, only God can do that. <laughs> you can't just do that on your own. 
But I'm a black brother, and I can't clap on B, but I, w I was looking at Randy right there, y'all's handsome pastor. You know, he's short and white, can't get the net, let alone the rim. But anyway, <laughs> I got to help him out, Randy. Some of them are like, what, do you, you mean the rim over there where we're eating the food? And No. Basketball, you know, I played basketball at that great, I played football at that great basketball school, North Carolina. But he stands tall in the pulpit, and he's a man of God, a husband, and a father. And that's how he would be judged. Yes. Amen. And I'm proud of my new friend, and I thank God for who you all are. But as you walk with the Lord Christ, but I did share with him, uh, I am CEO at the National Center for Fathering, but CEO today is Chief Encouragement Officer, as I share with you. I, don't want you, I want you to know we don't come with great titles, but we want to have a testimony. And I want you to know it's no mistake that you're here today, that I'm here, that we have the uh, opportunity to be here for a few moments. And I was talking about the clock, but I am an ordained black Baptist preacher, and we could be here all day. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, but I share with them at the other services that a good sermon or a good talk or whatever is like good sausage. You can cut it off anywhere and you got the same thing. Amen. But anyway, I know some of you haven't laughed in a long time and you think you come to church like you're supposed to be bored and baptized in lemon juice. If anybody should party are Christians. Let me tell you something. At 35,000 feet when I'm flying, I, don't, I can't take my exegetical prowess with Christology and soteriology and ecclesiology and hermeneutical principles, all the stuff they teach you at seminary. I mean seminary. <laughs> People at 35,000 feet, they don't give a rip. They're not going to sit there and listen to you. It's your job. You have to find common ground. You have to relate. You can't be like the world, but you're in the world. You have to literally be there. How are they going to know that you are a Christian? <laughs> Except by your love. When you love folks, and they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can come with all of your brilliance, well, whatever. Anyway, oh my goodness, that clock, y'all's clocks in San Antonio go faster. Anyway, <laughs> but God didn't make a mistake when he made us. And I tell people, he gave me this big nose bigger than Bill Cosby. And he gave me these big lips I smother my bride with. I don't know, is my bride here? Oh, yes, she is. She's right there. She wasn't in the earlier service and everything. But I tell people, that's one of the blessings in being black. When you get embarrassed, you don't turn red. So she won't turn red. <laughs> Anyway, but I want my baby to stand up. This is my bride, Melanie. Amen. Amen. The, great, the greatest thing happened to me at Chapel Hill at University of North Carolina was not playing ball saying hi to mom on TV, but I went to geography class, and I, on the front row, I sat there, and I turned around, and I saw this sweetheart with an afro about this big, and that's her right there. And so she's sitting right there beside Pete and Debbie, and I do want y'all to know this as well. I love these folks right here, Pete and Debbie, and I know I'm embarrassing them even as I stand here. But I'm so thankful that Peter's a man of God, a husband and a father, and Debbie is a mother to the most wonderful children in the world. Those little kids that run around and y'all look at them and say, those are some bad kids. And that type of thing. 
they're not bad, but they got a great mom and dad. But I love them, and I'm glad that they would allow me to be at their church and meet their new friends. Amen. Amen. But I, I think about this as well, but I always share with people, God didn't make a mistake when he made us. And as we have our three children that are grown, that Melly and I married each other, and now we have three grown children. We have five grandbabies. We're living out our dream, and I got a big suburban, and uh, we kept having fun, and we, now we have Chance. He's 13, so we have 54 with a 13-year-old at home. And so, but we got this big suburban, and people say, why do you have that suburban? You just have your wife and, and your bride and your little son, Chance, or whatever. But I have those grandbabies. I love dropping the screen and all that, and the grandbabies in the car seats. They got those big heads with those little bodies. They just look and granddad <laughs> and all this, you know. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be here a little while, so I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to tell you that. But we're going to really party in heaven. But I always tell people, God didn't make a mistake when he made us, when he gave me this big nose and all that and these big lips I kissed Melanie with. I always wonder how white people kissed anyway. But anyway, <laughs> and this type of thing. But anyway, but I share this with you. He didn't make a mistake. And I got this. I don't know how, I don't have it memorized. But when I was born, I was black. When I grew up, I was still black. When I get sick, I'm still black. When I go out in the sun, I'm still black. And when I die, my brother's a mortician. He's the last one to let you down. But anyway, but then when I die, I'm still going to be black. But I look at Randy and Keith and Max and some of you. When you were born, you were pink. When you grew up, you were white. And when you get sick, you turn green. <laughs> and when you go out in the Texas San Antonio sun, you turn red. And when you go out in the cold, you turn blue, and when you die, you're going to be purple. So why do you call me colored? But anyway, somebody got me laughing. But anyway, I'm sorry, y'all. Don't you all, don't, don't send Randy and Max and all of them hate mail like, why did you get that guy here? And he's a vicious racist. What are you doing? No, but anyway, be yourself because you can't be nobody else. Be satisfied with how God made you, black or white, rich or poor, Hispanic, Vietnamese, Native American, Asian, whatever the case may be. Be thankful for God's diversity, red, yellow, black, and white, we're precious in his sight. But I think about a father, whatever race you may be, realize you have an awesome calling, not just on Father's Day. Ladies, as hard as it is, and even if you have not had a great relationship with your husband or you may not be married now, realize that you should be a woman of God, a man of God, and you respect your spouse. The greatest thing I can do today is to be a man of God, a husband, and a father. As I do well there, America will be greater. 65 million fathers in America. Years ago when I was a chaplain in Seoul, Korea, as Keith stated, the folks would walk up to me, they said, where are you from? I said, I'm from America. They say, oh, USA, number one country. But in the richest, the most powerful country in the world, 
25 million children will go to bed tonight without their biological father in the home. When this happens, their child is more likely to be impoverished, to be poor, not to know about how to work a job and to be on time, and to realize that you may not make the money that you want to make, but work that job. They're more likely to drop out of school, more likely to be involved in a violent crime. Read the paper in San Antonio of someone that has committed a crime. You can do the research, and I guarantee you, more than likely to go back to a young person that has not had an involved father. Or even a young girl, when the daddy's not there, more likely to be pregnant as a young teenager. But when daddy's there, those statistics flip-flop. But what really breaks my heart as well is that young people born into this great country, my color, and I'm not a racist, but I'm glad that my sons-in-laws are there for my daughters and their grandchildren and my grandchildren. In 1960, African-American babies born out of wedlock, it was probably right at uh, um, 25%. In 2010, it's 72%. A culture and a society cannot make it that way, whatever the race may be. But I want to let you know, there is hope. <laughs> And the reason why is through our research, we've found of thousands of dads, secular Christian, our research shows that when of thousands of dads, not perfect dads, I'm not perfect, there are no perfect fathers, but just by being there, listen to this right here, we found through research is that they're loving. They love the child, and they love the child's mother. They love the mother, even if they're divorced, they respect her. Daddies, you're going through a divorce or gone through a divorce or whatever, that does not exempt you from being involved in your children's lives. Every child needs a father, grandfather, or a father figure in their life. And then also, we love at the National Center for Fathering, fathers.com, we inspire daddies, and we equip them to be involved in their children's lives. It's not a boring thing. It's not an El Nerdo thing. It's not a thing where you're baptized in lemon juice. Daddies, let's get with it and let's have some fun and let some other daddies outside the doors know. Guess what? They say, so you know how it's guys, we get together. So what do you do? Uh, what, is, what is your job? <laughs> you tell them, I am a father. Oh, oh, no, I want to know how you get paid. No, you really want to get paid? Be a father, because God the Father will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, but they're loving. They love the child, love the child's mother. But I think about this, as it states in John 15 and 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you and remain in my love. Watch a brief video clip of a daddy's love.
Derek Redmond's daddy at one of Derek's lowest moments in life. He fought through the crowd and came out of the stands. When the official said, you don't have a right to be on the track, you don't have the credentials to get on this track, his daddy would say, I have the credentials because I'm this boy's father. And he walked him across that line. That's what a father does. That's what our heavenly father through the Holy Spirit does. Would never turn his back on you, but we are loving. Daddy's just being there. They love their children. Another part of the research is that they're coaching. They coach their children. And it states in Scripture, Proverbs 22 and 6, Train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. That's why daddies have all the rights and privileges. And you are needed to raise your daughters, not just the men but literally to minister to your daughters. And it states here, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Minister to your children as it states in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6 and 7. That's what a daddy does. And I think of my son, young son chance and many times i tuck him in at night and he's 13 but he comes to me and he says daddy lay down with me and i lay down on his bed and he said no daddy get under the covers but then he says daddy go get the cheez it's <laughs> and i'm like son we can't we've brushed our teeth and we'll be in trouble with mother if we do that but the 13-year-old wins out, and I go and get the Cheez-Its, and I'm telling them stories about his three older siblings, and we're crunching, and about that time, there's a knock on the door, and I said, Chance, we're in trouble. <laughs> but then Melanie walks in, and she has a big bowl of hot popcorn, and she says, I know y'all don't know how to do it right, so let me help you out. <laughs> and we eat the popcorn, but I think about thinking about my son, in essence, coaching him, but I have to school him up. And this type of thing, we just love, but then we coach. And I think about this. Watch a brief video clip of uh, something concerning coaching, and I'll share some more thoughts. <laughs> we'll get through this, y'all. Hey, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher, can I talk to you for a second? Back off, coach, if you want to stay in this game. I've been holding on 78 white. What are you are you trying to cheat my boys out the game? 15 more years. Listen, let them play, ref. Let them play. We lose. Let them play. Let the boys play. Cheetah! Cheetah! Go, 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 go!
Titus. What are you talking about, Bill? You call this game fair, or I'll go to the papers. I don't care if I go down with you. But before God, I swear I'll see every last one of you thrown in jail. You dig your own grave. Okay, Petey, don't you drift to the strong side. Coach, they're calling a holding penalty on me every time. Did I ask for your excuses? You want to act like a star? You better give me a star effort. Do you hear me? Forget about him. Alan, you're it. Come on. All right. Now, I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross the line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of you out. You make sure they remember forever the night they played the Titans. How many of you saw that movie or whatever? Yeah, it's a decent movie. But in, in real life, you all, I had the privilege to be on the team that lost to the Titans in the state championship game. I was a 16-year-old sophomore, and I went to Sioux Hollywood because in the movie they got a little white guy running back kicks. That's me. And he fumbled the ball in the whole nine yards. But I was a 16-year-old sophomore. I think about that movie and what's taking place now, but Back then, my white coach got in my face about something. Our team in the movie, the state championship game, I played against them, and they made it like our team was all white. But we had eight African-Americans on the team, believe it or not. And I remembered how I went to the cafeteria after my white coach got in my face about something. And my black friend said, Kerry, quit the team. Don't play for that racist coach. And I said, yes, that's right. But I go home and I visit with my father. And my, I tell my dad, I'm quitting the team racist coach, he said, son, your coach is not a racist. He's checking out your character and your loyalty. Son, you are a sophomore. He would need you two years from now as a star player. You're good now, but you will be better. But he's checking out your character and your loyalty. He said, son, he's winning his coach in the state of Virginia. He will win with you or without you. Son, you need the team more than the team needs you. When Daddy told me that in 1971, to when the movie came out, it was 30 years. There are decisions that you will make today, not tomorrow, that will dictate where you will be or your legacy will be 30 years from now. My Daddy raises me more now from the grave than when he was here. There were things that he shared with me years ago that I didn't get that I'm getting now. I'm thankful that Daddy shared with me the truth and nothing but the truth. And he shared with me and he coached me, and that's what he did. Gave me a Christmas gift that same year. Open up the box. There were three boxes. Open up the three boxes. There were three plaques. I don't remember the other two, but I remember the one. Ecclesiastes 12 and 1, and it says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Basically, Daddy was saying, you got to be like Solomon, the richest, the wisest king. And he was saying, son, before the windows grow dim, as you get older, you don't see as well. Before the doors begin to shut, 
As you get older, you don't hear as well. Before the grinders cease. As you get older, at 54, your teeth are not as strong as when you were young and all of this. But he said, remember your creator. I am so very thankful that Pop gave me that wisdom. There's much more to the story, but when you go by the book, you will be able to get the rest of the story. My time is up, but it's okay. You don't have to invite me back. It's okay. I'm going to tell you why. Because we're going to spend eternity in heaven. And I think of championship fathering. You love, you coach, but then you model. Daddy, believe it or not, I saw him during the civil rights days called the N-word. But Daddy would look at me and say, well, son, evidently they don't know my name. Daddy <laughs> knew who he was. He modeled it for me. Love coach model. But then also, listen to this, we're supposed to encourage another child that does not have a dad. Who are, as it states in James 1 and 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Who are the children on your block that do not have a daddy? Who are the children that are in the church that are walking through the halls lonely when they don't have a daddy that they can smell the brute in high karate? I mean, no, but anyway, and smell Old Spice and all of that. They want a dad, father figure to say, you can make it. Young girls want a man to touch them on their shoulder and to say, you are beautiful. Even sometimes when they might have a zit on their nose, to let them know it's not the outside but the inside. But love, coach, model, and courage. But then the last thought of a championship father is to enlist other dads. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, listen to this, you all, one man sharpens another. We do not do well by ourselves. As I come to a close, and that is this, I want to let you know this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. I'm glad that I had the privilege to come and share with you today that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm glad I could tell you today that he's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. I'm thankful that he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He will never die. That boy Buddha died, did not get back up. I'm glad that Mohammed died, did not get back up. But Jesus Christ, the charisma in the Greek, he lived, he died, but on the third day, not the fourth, not the fifth, not the sixth. I matriculated at that great citadel of higher learning, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I did not matriculate in Texas A&M or Texas Tech, nor the University of Texas Longhorns, so I'm not good at math. But I do understand that on the third day, Jesus Christ got up and declared that all power in heaven and in earth
Father, we bless you and we thank you, Lord, that we don't remember the Titans, but we remember you, our Creator. And Heavenly Father, the one that's sitting here that may not know you, lead them to yourself. Father God, bless the fathers, bless the mothers, bless the children, oh Lord. And may we be championship fathers and win at being a dad, whatever situation. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all of God's children said, amen. amen. Bless you, brother. Amen.